IBEC, the voice of Irish business. Welcome back to our IBEC Responds mini-series on COP27. In this episode, we are joined by Neil Willoughby, IBEC European Affairs Senior Executive, and Sean Kelly, Member of the European Parliament. They sit down in the European Parliament before the MEP departs for Sharm el-Sheikh as the only Irish MEP in the European Parliament delegation attending COP27. I'm here in the European Parliament in Brussels with Sean Kelly, Member of the European Parliament for Ireland South, uh, who will be attending the COP27 summit in Egypt uh, on 14th to 18th November as part of the European Parliament delegation. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for your time, firstly. Um, the Parliament has a, an important role in these discussions, obviously representing the citizens and obviously on climate and environmental legislation in particular, acting as a co-legislator um, in terms of the Fit 55 package and implementing the Paris Agreement has a very significant role uh, in this area and also, of course, must give its consent before the EU can sign up to these international agreements, such as those that will be achieved at COP27, hopefully, over the next few weeks. Um, maybe firstly, Sean, I might ask you to talk a little bit about the, the Parliament's role and maybe your kind of intentions and kind of ambitions in te- attending the COP next week in Egypt. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, Isaac, for giving me the opportunity to speak about uh, COP27 in Egypt. We're going next week because we couldn't go this week because Parliament was sitting and we had votes and debates, etc. And it's the full COP that I've been asked to attend. I think I'm the only Irish MEP uh, who has been asked to attend because of the work I've been involved in over the years. And in total, the Parliament would have about a dozen MEPs there. So to have one out, an Irish person out of 705 MEPs, amongst that dozen, I think it's good for Ireland. It sets a positive trend. But also it's a huge role for the European Parliament because no matter what ambitions and what proposals the Commission comes forward with, uh, they will come to naught unless the European Parliament actually uh, votes on them and accepts them. And we basically did that with the Fit for 55 package, which is the package which the European Union now has to reduce emissions by 55% by 2030. That is something that gives us actually added momentum in going to uh, Egypt this year because we'll be going from a position of strength where we are giving leadership and also as an Irish person for the first time I'll be able to go and say my country is actually also signed up to this because we have in the past year passed the climate bill which commits us to reducing emissions by 51%. So on those two positive notes we'll be going with a very strong message and hopefully giving leadership to the rest of the world essentially to follow suit. Absolutely, and I think that leadership point from the EU and Irish perspective is is a great message to go with. I think one interesting aspect of that is also in the climate financing agreement that's been put forward. I know uh, agreed in Glasgow last year that kind of more developed countries would give $100 billion in funding to less developed countries in order, I guess, to, to mitigate against climate change and I guess to move forward at the same pace as we are in the EU and others. I know a big point of the of the conference will be looking at, I guess, agreeing that more substantially and having the funding flowing. Uh, is that something you'll be focusing on? And from the EU perspective, as a leader in climate financing, what role do you think it can have in maybe pushing other, other regions of the world to support that? I think the time for action has come. We're talking about this now since Paris. I was uh, in the Paris Agreement. That came up there was one of the essential things and there was a general commitment to climate financing because it absolutely makes sense the developing countries cannot finance these 
necessary adaptions themselves. But the developed countries, who are, after all, the uh, cause of most of the emissions, have to step up to the plate. And especially the big offenders, basically China, India, Brazil and the United States. And if they are seen to put their money where their mouth is, there is no question that the European Union are going to do it, then that would be, I think, a very positive development from COP27. And that's something we'll be pushing for because we can see that the latest report shows that if we continue even as we do now, instead of reaching the 1.5 degrees target, we will be actually at 2.7. So that message has to get across loud and clear. I think citizens at ground level are understanding it, and that should be a message then that politicians should implement. I think on that kind of point of the EU leadership is, again, one to reiterate, I think at the same time we're working very closely with our members to make sure that Irish business is well aware of the challenges and and acting accordingly. And I think uh, we are certainly uh, moving to address climate change and business is committed to that. I think um, both domestically and in Brussels we're very engaged with with the European Parliament institutions and and with your colleagues uh, domestically uh, on this agenda through our positions on our low carbon roadmap and our Stronger Europe, Stronger Ireland EU campaign. Um, which puts a central focus on sustainability in, in the broad sense, not only looking at climate and environment, but also biodiversity, social governance, etc. Um, but another kind of key theme of that Stronger Europe, Stronger Ireland campaign is also competitiveness. I think you, you already mentioned the leading role that the EU has and is kind of moving far ahead of other countries and how ambitious it is, aiming to be, well, actually legally committing to be a climate neutral continent by 2050. And the Fit 55 package is, is part of going towards that in 2030, beyond that greater ambition. So I know one concern going towards COP27 is really the EU trying to push others to follow it and making sure that there isn't a competitiveness gap there. And that I guess there is a kind of a level playing field between the two. I know that's an objective from the EU side and also from the Parliament going there, as well as business and the Business Europe delegation going there. Do you think that's a, something that can realistically be met at COP27 or is that an ongoing challenge? It will be an ongoing challenge, but at the same time it's a very serious challenge because uh, you're quite right. I have been at many meetings around Ireland in the last year since COVID and all the businesses I meet with the direction, I think, in fairness to IBEC are all trying to reduce their carbon emissions. It's a huge uh, challenge for them. They are embracing it. But you cannot do it if it means that ultimately you might go to business because of lack of competitiveness. And that's where, uh, going back to the Paris Agreement, I remember when we were drawing up our proposals for it, I said to the former president of Poland, who was in our group, Chelsea Busick, we need to add in here what we're going to do and add the following, provided the other big emitters do the same. And that applies all the time. Because you could find yourself in a position where Irish businesses would reduce their emissions and uh, do everything according to the desired programs and then find that they cannot sell their products abroad because someone else is doing uh, less and producing the products cheaper. Now to counteract that, the European Union has proposed the carbon border adjustment mechanism, basically a tax on maybe imports from third countries where they wouldn't meet the same standards as European. That has to be worked out, but that certainly would be very important. But I would hope and I would expect 
that not just the European Parliament representatives, but also the leaders, prime ministers from each of the member states who attends COP and the Commission would emphasise that point very strongly. Because even if Europe reduces its emissions to zero, it's going to have very little impact in the, on the climate uh, targets we need. We're only responsible for about 10% or so forth of climate emissions. And if we reduce them to zero and the, the others don't, then we're going to lose competitiveness and also we're going to lose the battle in relation to climate change. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe talking more specifically about the Fit 55 package and your, your day-to-day work in the Parliament, I know you're, you're leading on the Energy Performance of Billions Directive that worked there as part of the package and deeply involved in that. How are things progressing um, and what is your sense of how, how that will lead us towards this objective to reduce emissions by 55% in 2030? Are we on track? We would be very much on track if uh, Putin hadn't invaded Ukraine. That has thrown us into a little bit of turmoil and especially has caused a lot of suffering for businesses and individuals in relation to energy costs. So that may put a damper on things for a while, but we need to look at the opportunities as well, because in the bigger picture, if we are to wean ourselves off fossil fuels generally, but particularly uh, fossil fuels coming from Russia and maybe other unreliable regimes, the way to do it is to become independent in terms of energy, and that means renewable energy particularly generated from Europe. And especially in Ireland, we have a great opportunity to develop offshore wind, which we could be selling uh, into Europe, because the interconnector between France and Ireland has now got to go ahead. It will probably be completed by 2026. But would we have offshore wind, surplus of it coming onshore that we can sell? We need to up our game big time and we need to get rid of this nimbism that's rife and the planning obstacles that are there, which have caused likes of Shell and Equinor to leave the Irish market. And unless we do that, we are not going to make progress. All the talk in the world isn't going to help. We must get rid of the bottlenecks. And that's something I've put both to the Taoiseach and the Tarnashta. And they have promised me that before this year is over, they're going to bring forward proposals in relation to reforming the planning and permitting rules. And if we do that effectively, then I think we are in a great position in Ireland to not just go renewable to meet our energy targets, but actually to make money out of it. Whereas at the moment it's costing us a fortune importing oil, importing coal, importing gas. Yeah, and absolutely that border context is very important, obviously with the the Russian invasion of Ukraine, supply, security, cost of energy, obviously front and centre of, of minds for, for both citizens and businesses uh, in Ireland. And obviously that sets a big context for the EU agenda at the moment um, and also what's happening at COP27. I know just specifically I might ask you to talk a little bit about your, your work on the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive, just the status of where that is and just the high level of what that might mean from an Irish perspective when that legislation is eventually implemented. Yeah, we are at the moment in discussions, what we call the shadow rapporteurs. That's uh, each uh, group has somebody who they nominate to discuss it. We are trying to work out compromises. But again, the energy crisis and the war in Ukraine is making it more difficult than it would otherwise be. 
But I think we will work through it and come forward with proposals because, for instance, things like solar panels and roofs. In Ireland, one million buildings, households, have been identified suitable to take up to 10 solar panels, which could generate 8% of renewable energy, which would be an awful lot. But we should also, of course, make those houses more comfortable, healthier, and in actual fact, there'd be a payback in due course. Because once we put into place things like uh, being able to sell surplus electricity back onto the grid, and this would be particularly relevant to businesses, possibly schools, industries, farmers, all that would be a major plus. But we need to act quickly and put the infrastructure in place to make all these happen, and we must avoid allowing any agencies or others who might not want to do it step in and stop it. So we know the pathway to success. The Energy Performance Buildings Directive is a huge opportunity. It can deliver big time across Europe. It can create an awful lot of jobs and secure jobs because this is something that's going to go on for a long time. Because the bottom line is this, that 36% of our emissions in Europe are coming from buildings and they're using 40% of our energy supplies, most of it fossil fuels, oil or gas. So it's a no-brainer in terms of going down the right path and giving people an opportunity to do so. And that's what we'll be pushing here. Give people an opportunity to retrofit their homes. Those who can't afford it, give them grants. Those who cannot uh, do it by savings, give them uh, loans. And I have spoken about this and I've gone to the ECB and the EIB to make green financing available at the lowest possible rate so this can happen. So if we put all this together with a massive opportunity, we will probably go into next year now before we finalise it because, as I said, some groups are against it. That always happens. It takes time to negotiate. But you're better off to take your time and negotiate and get a good deal rather than rushing it, getting a bad deal that might be rejected. Sean, thank you very much for your time um, and best of luck in Egypt for, for the COP27 on behalf of the European Parliament. Always a pleasure and look forward to working with IBEC any time in the future. It's great to have such a strong body, well-informed and vocal and working for the good of Irish industry at home and abroad. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBEC Response. Make sure to stay tuned for further episodes about COP27 over the coming weeks.